So let's be seated as we turn to Scripture this morning. I'm going to read to us from 1 Samuel 25, uh, beginning at verse 2. We heard uh, Isha's story where she uh, was fearful of speaking up in a particular situation. Here we turn to someone in the person of Abigail who did speak up and uh, faced up to a particular challenge. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not ill-treat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore be favourable towards my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers, and give it to men coming from who knows where. David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Abigail... Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not ill-treat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household." He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, Go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. 
She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my lord sent. And now, my lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away, as from a pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my land success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I've brought a, a little prop along with me today. Oh, um, I got a little bit peckish at the 9.15, so uh, I will refer to that in a moment. Uh, but I want to welcome, we have a visitor here today, Roger, Roger Allen. And uh, Roger is going to come and speak to us. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to interview him at the end of my sermon, so you'll find out a little bit more about why he's come to join us today. But it's really good to have a good friend here uh, from another setting. So welcome, Roger. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I pray that the words spoken today will be planted in our hearts and all that is good will take root and grow to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have an apple tree in my garden. I have a small garden. So it's a small tree. And I was having a conversation with my apple tree the other day, as you do. And it went something like this. Hey, apple tree, how are you doing? Oh, thanks, Anita. Thanks for asking. I'm doing okay. Um, I'm finding it a bit overwhelming, though, because I've got so many plants crowding around me. I haven't got much room to grow. And I had a really tough time during that drought. I really struggled to get enough water at that time. But I've done my best, 
And I managed to produce six apples this year. It wasn't a lot, but I managed six apples. Well, we'll find out more about the apple tree later. Over the last few years, we've been looking at a church in a particular way as followers of Jesus. And we've used some really helpful pictures and ideas that are put out by the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, LICC. They're the people who made that video that you watched. And you may have seen this picture of red dots. Some of you will have seen that before. If I just recap and explain it. On the left, it represents, those red dots represent the 6% of people who are Christians in our country. Out of the 100%, the other dots are people who don't yet know God. And on the left, you can see that they're all gathered together, and that represents us during a Sunday or a Thursday or whenever we get together to worship, that we come together to worship God, we get fed, and we get equipped. And then we go out the rest of the week, on the right-hand picture, into our normal lives. And we have 120 hours minus, so without all that sleep time, hopefully we get about 120 hours of waking hours in which to serve God. Can you see how strategically placed we all are in the different worlds that we work in and live in? What an opportunity we have to bring God's values and to be Christ for others. And you may have heard us talk about those places as front lines, the places where we spend most of our time, particularly where we spend it with non-Christians. And you may remember a few years ago, we did a course called Fruitfulness on the Front Line. And we thought about how to bear fruit wherever we have been placed. And we used these six handy things beginning with M as examples of how God can work through us and in us to transform the places where we are to be more like Christ and where his rule will sway. So, for example, making good work, just doing a good job at work or in our garden or in the home is something that reflects God's glory because God does good work, doesn't he? We might have to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice sometimes, having to stand up for somebody who's being unfairly treated. We might have to model godly character when we lose our temper in the queue, uh, when we're waiting at the shops or whatever. How do we respond is quite significant, isn't it? And other people will notice, especially if they know we're a Christian. Well, so we're now going to build on all of that with this new series called Growing on the Frontline. And I think this course has been developed because it's hard to bear fruit, even when we wish to. It's hard to live like Jesus, even when we want to. So we're going to look at about how being transformed from within by the Holy Spirit will release more fruitfulness in our lives. I don't know about you, but I wish I could be more like Jesus. Life would be so much simpler. I'd know what the Father's will was, and I would have the courage and the character to do it. I'd never lose my temper. I'd never grow petty or snap at somebody when I was tired. I would bear such amazing fruit. Is that something that you would like to be more like Jesus? Yes? Yeah. 
So in this series, we're going to look at what it is that holds us back and hinders us from being more Christ-like. How our attitudes, our character, our choices affect the way that we behave on our front lines and how that makes it harder for others to see Jesus in us. It makes it harder for us to bear fruit. We're going to look at stories from the Bible and hopefully some other videos like that and any small groups who can are going to follow that um, series and they can watch those videos as well. And it's all about allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us to be more like Jesus through prayer, through talking and listening, and through discussing together. We're going to revisit some of the prayer tools that we learned when we did that How to Pray course back in 2020 before the pandemic. Now, I know that there are some aspects of our front lines that we have no control over. So this course is looking at the things that we do have control over, what goes on inside us and how we respond to things. But also, because of the Holy Spirit, we don't just have to work on our own limitations, and I'll say about that a bit more later. So let's look at our Bible story again, David and Abigail from 1 Samuel 25. Just a quick recap of the story. David and his men are in exile. They are just around the, in the countryside, hiding from Saul, who's trying to kill David. And you know what it's like when an army has nobody officially giving them food? Usually they just take it from whoever they can find. It can be very dangerous to live near an army like that. If you talk to anybody who lives in the Congo, they will tell you. The women get raped, the cattle get stolen, everything gets trashed. But David has tried very hard to be a good person. And he has said to his men, We're not, you're not to steal anything, we'll ask people for what we need. And he's asked Nabal, the guy who they're staying near, to give them some food. And in return, they've been looking after Nabal's um, cattle and watching over the people who are working in that area to make sure that they're safe. So David feels that he's owed something. But Nabal just brushes him off and says, huh, who are you? I'm not going to help you. And David loses his temper in such a way that he says, right, guys, get your swords. We're going to go and slaughter the whole lot of them. But Abigail comes along. Abigail is warned by her servants, everyone's in trouble because your husband has, has, has angered David. So she loads up all of that food. I love that description of how much food she gives them. I'm just thinking, when you lose your temper, what, is, what does the other person have to do to appease you? Is it 500 raisin cakes and a couple of sheep? I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe you're bought off a bit more cheaply. But... Uh, so she has to get lots of food and she you know, bows and scrapes and thankfully she manages to save the day because David realizes that he shouldn't act so strongly and he gives in. He says to her, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day. So it's a bit like the story of Esther in that Abigail saves a whole group of people by her actions. Now, hopefully, you don't turn murderous when you lose your temper. But it is significant about the way that you respond when you are angered by something, especially if you feel that you should have been owed something and you didn't get it. What comes out of you at that point? Is it Christ-like? Is it honoring to God? Will it help the situation? Will it help others to be attracted to knowing Jesus? because that is our very purpose in life, 
to attract others to know Jesus. David had a big lesson to learn that day, and I'm sure he had to learn it many times at other situations as well. If you are someone who loses your temper a lot, or quite severely, don't rely on Abigail's to try and smooth you out of it. Maybe deal with it in some way or other. Ask God to help you and to show you. Maybe confide in some friends who might be able to pray with you. Neil Hudson, who used to work for LACC, used to tell a story about this. He said that he commuted and he had to drive an hour up the M6 every day to get home. And it was always bad traffic and it always made him in a really bad mood. And when he got home, he would always take it out on his teenage children because he was just really stressed and they probably left the house in a tip. And he'd then go on to home group, having you know, had a bit of a row with the family, gone off grumpy to home group. And he would say to everybody, oh, I feel really bad. I've snapped at the children again. And they would say, oh, we really understand. You know, traffic's a nightmare at this time of year, isn't it? And so on. And he said it was great to have their sympathy, but actually maybe in the long run, especially since he kept doing it, it would have been better if they'd said to him, Neil, we notice that you keep, you know, keep telling us that you're doing this. Maybe we should pray about this. Maybe there's some ways in which you could change the situation so that this doesn't happen again. Maybe you could travel a bit earlier so that there's not such bad traffic. Maybe you could pray on the way home for your family so that you're in a bit of a better mood for them when you see them. Maybe when you park the car at the end of the journey, you could just sit for a moment and ask God to give you patience for whatever lies within. Sometimes, obviously we all have weaknesses and we all have faults and we have to rub along and live with each other. But sometimes we're perhaps over-accepting of each other's faults and our own. And maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to us now, this is a time when you might consider allowing God to transform you in that area. In that video of Aisha, she was really disappointed afterwards that she didn't do anything in that difficult situation she was in with her boss. She felt that she should have said something to him, but she didn't have the courage to do it. And we can totally understand that, especially if you don't like conflict. I would completely relate to that. But she looks back and realizes she didn't give that man a chance to change because she never said anything. And it actually cost him his job and it cost the company as well. So I think it's important to remember that it's not just you in your front line, it's you and God. Through the Holy Spirit, he can transform atmospheres. If you have a really difficult front line at work, for example, we were saying about things you can't control, you can't maybe control a lot of that, but God can. And God can work through you to change the atmosphere, to just change the narrative. And sometimes it can be quite small things that completely start to make a difference. So this course, this series we're doing, is about asking the Holy Spirit to guide us more deeply. And I think we shouldn't do it alone. So be honest with yourself, with God, but also with others. Be accountable. If you're not in a group, get into a group. If you haven't got anyone to pray with, ask a couple of friends to pray with you regularly. Keep a journal so that you can write to God some of the things that you're finding frustrating and ask for his help. It could be that this is the time when you start to live a life that looks more like Jesus. And I am not saying, I am not saying work harder at being good. I am not saying that. If you think about my apple, the apple doesn't have to strive to grow bigger and juicier. 
It just sits there and receives the light of the sun and the warmth of the sun. It receives all the goodness through the roots of the tree. And it becomes nice and juicy. It doesn't say, oh, I must grow, I must grow. And in the same way, being more fruitful and growing on our front lines is about receiving more of God's power in us that can then flow out to others. So it's about being a channel, a a better channel than we were before, allowing God to flow through us. So me and my apple tree, this is how the rest of the conversation went. I said back to the tree, I saw you had a lot of struggles this year, didn't you? You looked like you were really feeling a bit overwhelmed by so many plants crowded around you. And that drought time was really tough for you, wasn't it? But you made the most of the goodness you could gather. And you grew some lovely fruit. Okay, so what if the tree next door had a thousand apples on it? You grew the six that I called you to grow. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we're going to pray now before I interview Roger. Let's just let some of those ideas swirl around in our, in our minds. I've just got this sense today that the Holy Spirit wants to say, let me in. Let me into some new corners where you haven't let me in before. Let me into some situations where you felt hopeless and felt that God couldn't do anything. Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring us new joy in growing, new purpose, so that we can bring new fruit for your glory. We let you in. We invite you to be here. We invite you to come with us tomorrow, wherever we are. Help us to see the situation afresh through your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.